Well, good morning. Good to see you. Welcome to Risen Life. Uh, we're glad you've chosen to worship with us in the middle of summer heat and a uh, chance to have air conditions working today. We're so thankful for this building. It's beautiful and uh, all the work that's gone into it this year and just nice to be able to sit peacefully and to listen to God this morning. We're here to, to know Him, to love Him, to hear from Him. And so we're in a series on the Ten Commandments. We're working that through the summer. We're in commandment number five today in Exodus chapter 20. So I'd invite you to turn there. And the command is in verse 12, actually, this morning. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land and that the Lord God has given to you. You know, God has given us graciously his commands. Uh, he took the Israelites, he delivered them out of the hands of slavery in Egypt, took them through purely by his grace, wiped out the enemy and brought them into a place where they could have fellowship and worship him. And then he says, now I want to draw my relationship with you closer. And here's the way we're going to do it. I'm going to show you ways to walk more intimately with me. I'm going to teach you how to walk in my blessing and how to walk in a way that honors me for your good and my glory. And so he graciously gives us the Ten Commandments. There's a lot of talk today about how sort of the law is opposed to grace, but it really isn't. The law can't save us, but the law is God's gracious gift to us to show us who have been saved how to walk intimately with God. It's a good gift of God that he would give us these laws, these Ten Commands. And so today what we're going to look at today is, is God's fifth command, which is to honor your father and your mother. Now I want to look at it in three parts this morning. First of all, the command. Second of all, uh, there's a great promise that goes with this command, uh, that it would go well with us and that we'd have long life on this earth. We want to know how it will go well with us, right? In America today, we want to figure out how, how will it go well with us? And uh, we need to learn a little bit about that. And then finally, that Jesus is the way uh, to honor God the Father. So let's, let's begin by looking, first of all, uh, at the command, honor your father and your mother. Now, the, the word for honor there is the word kabed, which means weight, heavy, serious. Uh, it means that when you honor, you take that relationship Seriously, you give it a high level of importance. It matters to you. Uh, you care deeply about it. it. That relationship gets a prominent place in your life. That's what it means to honor your father and your mother. Now, this word, by its very nature, is a little bit ambiguous. The word wait doesn't really tell us specifically how to do that. And I think that is intentional because it is a very broad command that requires a great deal of wisdom and insight, frankly, prayer and seeking God how to do it well. It's not easy. In fact, a lot of the commands in the scripture are a lot like this. The command, for example, to love one another, right? Well, how do you do that? I need a little instruction. Love your wife. I mean, you find it easy to love your wife. I, I need a little help with that, God. Show, show me some specific things to do to help her feel loved by me. God will give us a lot of commands where it's, it's pretty open-ended, where we need to seek him and to pray and ask God to fill us with the spirit that we would do those things well. Well, honoring our father and mother is a lot like that, that there needs to be a lot of guidance and help from God and from his spirit. 
And part of the reason it is so broad is that it is really so unique at each different place and stage in our life and different age. For example, if you are five years old this morning, or if you're a parent of a five-year-old this morning, the way a five-year-old would honor their father and mother is by obeying them. It's just that simple. You, you want to train your children to obey. And, and children need to say, I'm going to obey you, mom and dad. That honors them. Okay, that's what we do at age five. But if you're 25 years old today, you ought not to be obeying mom and dad any longer. Not, not that you shouldn't hear them and listen to their wisdom and, and, and walk in God's ways, but, but if they're giving you commands at age 25 and you're just obeying them, there's something wrong with that picture. I think you know that in, intuitively, right? If you're 55 today, right, you should be thinking about how do I care for them? How do I make sure my parents aren't lonely? How do I know their needs are being met? If you're 25, you would say, how do, how do I involve them in my life? How do I seek wisdom from them? How do I make them feel included in what I am doing? There's things you do. But if you're 55 and you're asking dad what to do so that you can obey him, you're messed up, man. You're messed up. Or if you're a five-year-old and you're saying, now how can my parents feel loved by me? How can I emotionally meet their needs today? And that's messed up, right? See, so this, this world, this, this instruction to honor mom and dad is sophisticated and it requires insight and thinking through the various stages of life. But what it does mean is that you give it reflection, that it's important, that it matters to you, that their relationship is vital uh, in your life, Okay. So with that little background, let's think maybe a little bit how to specifically do this and uh, take it from the beginning, really from birth up through many years here. And let's just kind of apply this practically to our lives. Now, uh, first of all, this command to obey mom and dad or to honor mom and dad <clears throat> uh, is critical. And it is something that... Uh, needs to be taught by parents. So, so I'm actually going to start by talking to parents because when you're just born, you're not thinking about how to honor mom and dad. It really is the parents' job now to begin to teach them to honor mom and dad. And that is a really important part of life because as you teach your kids to honor mom and dad, you are teaching them to honor God. Okay? This is critical. And so this is not like some sort of optional command, some sort of cute command. This is a serious command, teaching them to honor mom and dad so that they can, in time, learn to honor God. Okay? When a child is born, they come into this world, the Bible tells us, as little rebels. And those of you who have little children and have gone through that know that they are little rebels. And so your beginning point is to teach them to obey. Love them and teach them to obey. The childhood years, the early years, particularly zero to five, are about getting control of that child. They have rules and they got to follow them. And they got to follow them when you tell them, and they got to follow them completely, and they got to follow them happily. Right? And every child is inclined to do that, right? Naturally. You haven't had a child. So you know that this is not natural for them. And so we have to teach them these things. This is what Jesus did naturally. He was God without sin. In Luke 2, 51, it said he completely submitted to his parents and everything. He just did it. 
Well, that's what you want your little child to be like, Jesus, right? Just like you want yourself to be like Jesus. So we're teaching them to submit to you in everything. And frankly, uh, in the early years, there's not a lot of choices. You give them direction. Here's what we do as a family. Here's who we worship. Children, we worship the one true God and Jesus, his son, right? It's not an option for you. You don't say to your seven-year-old, what church would you like to go to today? Would you like to go to this church down the street? Do you want to go over to this one? What makes you feel better? Which one has better toys, right? Which one makes you happier? You don't do that with a seven-year-old or a five-year-old or a three-year-old. You say, this is where we go because they teach the truth. This is who we worship because this is the one true God. You will join us in worship, right? That's where you start. You start there. Furthermore, you tell them what we're going to do as a family. We're going to eat dinner at six together. We're going to gather around this table and we're going to have dinner, right? And you will be there. It's not an option. It's not like if five o'clock fits you better, we'll serve you at five. Seven o'clock, if that fits your schedule, you're just in a better mood, we'll do seven. You don't do this with a little child. You say, this is what we do. You will obey. This is your job. Obey. We give you the instructions. You follow the rules, okay? That's what you do in the early years. And that is teaching them to honor you and in the long run to honor a God who gives those commandments to us, okay? That's what we're aiming for. Right Now, it really is important that they understand that this whole thing is just not about a bunch of rules, because it isn't. Uh, God made it really clear, even as he gave his commands, that there was something that lays strongly as a foundational principle behind them. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 20. It says, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of these testimonies and these statutes and these rules? What's the meaning of them, Dad? That the Lord God has given us. Dad, here's what you are to say to your son. We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders and great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord, our God, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. You hear this? Why, why, Daddy, why are we going to follow these commands? There's a lot of rules here. Why are we following them? Because God delivered us out of slavery. He graciously took us to this land. And when we follow them, it goes well with us. You see? And so we teach our children. We obey, not just because we like rules. Nobody really just likes rules. But because we have a God who knows best. And he saved us by grace. And he delivered us by his grace. He's been good to us. And having delivered us by his mighty hand now, we want to walk with him in a way that honors him and brings him glory. That's what we say, okay? Now, when they disobey, we want them to know this very thing that this verse is telling us. When when you obey, it goes well with you. When you disobey, there's suffering. There's pain, right? This is an equation little children have got to get. Sin equals pain, Okay? And, and every, for every child, that's something different. Consequences that make them feel that when I do this, there is suffering that goes with it. They need to know that connection because that's what it is. We know that as adults. We're, we're, we, we do this daily almost, right? We do things we shouldn't do and it hurts us. And we, and we don't serve our children well if we don't let sin go with some pain that they feel, 
right, in their life. And, and all of this is, is just showing them how to relate to a holy God that loves them and cares about them. And, and probably the, the best thing they have uh, is to just watch us relate to our good and holy God. They, they'll catch what we do. And so if you're telling them, you know, obey, and they see you disobeying, what are they getting? It's a message, right? Oh, don't lie, children, and they hear you lying, right? Don't use the Lord's name in vain, children, and they hear you cussing, yeah? You see, we, they need to see how we relate to a good, loving, gracious, holy God. So we start there. We start with uh, the aim for obedience. That glorifies God and honors mom and dad. Now, <clears throat> the aim and the greater aim of all of this is not that point, right? The aim is not to put children in subjection to your rules uh, their life through because that is not good for them or you. Um, the aim is to get them to a place where they stand on their own two feet, build their own navigation system in their own heart, and relate to God personally themselves and obey Him uh, apart from what you do. Okay, That's, what, that's your aim um, in parenting. And, and I think that uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this really well. Um, it, it is the uh, summation verse, I think, of all the first 11 chapter of Romans. Here's the gospel. Romans 1 through 11 teaches us how God loves us, that Jesus died for our sins, that we are changed by faith in him. The spirit comes in and lives inside of us. Now, all of that being true, the gospel being true, here's now how you're to apply it. Here's how you're to live. Yeah, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay, notice what God leads with here now. Because of your mercies, you are to give yourself to me. And so God says, I have been merciful to you. I've been gracious to you. My son paid the price for your sin. I've given thy Holy Spirit to live inside of you. Now here's your response. Surrender your life to me as a living sacrifice. And that's instructive to us as parents. We want to aim for this, that they see and know God's mercy and his grace. You always want to lead with grace and mercy and forgiveness with children. They need to know love before they know rules and to, and to know that you love them. And they, you don't treat them as their sins deserve, right? <laughs> and so you want to make sure that they are loved by you. But, but being loved by God and shown mercy by God, they now give their lives to him as a living Sacrifice. Furthermore, it goes on and it says, And do not be conformed to this world, children, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so we say, Okay, now we're going to teach you God's word, right? To renew your mind, to have it in there. We have truth. God's, God's truth, His word, is a light to our path. And then you're to go test it. That's what it says here. This is how you build character in your own child. You give them the rules, then you get out of the way, and you go, now go give it a shot. Test it and see if God's will isn't perfect and good and gives you life. And they go, and they try it, and they go, oh my gosh, following God and obeying him, it goes well with me. You see, now they're building their own character in their heart, their own honoring of God. Furthermore, they say, well, I'm not going to do God's rule this time. I'll try this. I'll test it this way. And it goes poorly for them. And they learn that way, you see? And all this are building their own compass inside of them to walk with and obey and know God, you see? 
And so you, you send them out. And you, as you move into the, the, the middle years and into the early teen years, you're, you're just giving them room to explore and try and experiment in, in some ways uh, with what it means to obey, disobey, and what the consequences are within some boundaries. The boundaries get wider as they get older. But you're all teaching them to build their own compass inside of them. You see? Now, as they get toward 16, 17, and 18, you want to have within them built... Uh, this sense of personal conviction, knowing the gospel, knowing God's love and grace and their mercy, having been guided in testing and approving God's way as good, that you can now give them freedom to live their lives based on their own convictions. Okay? Now, look at I mean, Again, I'm speaking sort of an ideal, right? No parenting project is ideal or anywhere close. Um, but this is where you're aiming for. It's what we're going after. Um, so, so in our home, when our kids hit 17, I said, okay, now basically there's no more rules because I want to see how I've done. Okay, I want to see what your internal compass looks like when there's not me telling you what to do. Okay, Now look, there has to be some basic rules of civility. You can't go just destroy the house and destroy the cars. And, right? but, furthermore, I did have one rule that I really laid down hard, and that is you will in all cases, respect your mother. And if you don't, you will die. <laughs> and I will go to jail. Okay? And, and that just wouldn't be good for anybody. So just know that one is there. Right? Okay. But I want to see, because at age 18, they're going off to college without any rules. And the internal compass that's built within them will then carry them, Right? And that's what we're aiming for. <clears throat> that they know and understand that life and ultimate freedom are found in loving God and keeping His commands. And it's internal for them, not imposed upon by you. Now, <clears throat> as children move into adulthood, as we who sit here, largely most of us in this room, as adults, still commanded to honor our father and mother, what does that look like now? <clears throat> we have to remember that we were told a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, the two will become one flesh, that we are called to leave. We're no longer to be under their uh, uh, rules and authority. We're to actually establish our own selves between us and God. God is our authority now, and we are to live in submission to God and in submission to one another, caring for one another, building each other up, and honor our parents uh, as an adult. What does that look like? Now, um, I want to start by saying, well, I'll say a few things here, but I want to start by saying this. The first thing and the first way we can honor our parents, every one of us, is by being thankful that they gave us life. Everything you have today Every good thing, every precious thing, everything you enjoy, every blessing you experience is only because they gave you life. And that alone should make you thankful for them and honor them for that, right? They don't have to give you life. 21% of children today are aborted. They don't have to, the law allows that. And they've given you life. You have life because of them. So be thankful for that. Second of all, pray for them. Pray that God will bless them. Pray that they'll walk close to God. 
pray for their good and give their relationship a place of importance, of respect, of honor, that they matter to you. Okay? Furthermore, we're told to love people. Even if they're our enemies, we're to love them. Even if we don't get along with mom and dad, we should love them. Sometimes it needs to be tough love. We'll talk a little bit more about this in a moment. But we're to love them. It means they matter to us. It means we develop an appropriate and fitting relationship with them. And you get to decide this now. You're an adult. You get to decide their place in your life. But our inclination should be to include them, to involve them, to seek their wisdom, to get counsel when you need it, to involve them in your children's lives. You get to decide. You get to know what's appropriate and what fits you according to your circumstance. But that should be your general inclination. Furthermore, where they have failed you, right? and it, it is kind of the, a shocking day, I think, when we get to the age where we realize our parents aren't perfect. right? And we all kind of hit that day. And we go, oh my gosh. Right? Good parents, my, my, my mom and dad were godly parents. But it still was kind of like, oh my gosh, you, have, you guys sin. <laughs> right? Oh, that was hard on me. Right? And sin badly sometimes. To forgive them. Right? We honor them by forgiving them. They, they've done things that hurt us. Right? I've messed up my children. My parents messed me up. You're messing up yours. If you don't have them, you will mess up yours. You get your turn, everybody gets their turn at this. And, and, and to forgive them, right? You forgive them. Furthermore, they're not the only sinner in the room when you're there. <laughs> right? I am too, right? And the day that hit me, how much I had dishonored, particularly my mother, right? As a young son, I don't even want to go into it. I don't want you... <laughs> You'll think less of me by the time I get done with my story. But anyway, so, but the day came when I said, you know, Mom, I remember I was 19 years old. I was in the kitchen. I still remember. This was a poignant moment in my life. I said, Mom, please forgive me for how I've treated you. And uh, she started to cry. And she couldn't say anything, you know. I mean, and I had been a butthead. And I could use stronger words to, to be more accurate. But I just can't leave it at that. And, 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 I, and I said, forgive me, you know. And the next day, she came back to me. And she goes, I, first of all, I can't believe you said that to me. Second of all, thank you for saying that to me. That meant so much to me as your mom. And to seek their forgiveness for what we've done. And we've done a lot, right? That honors them. To support them spiritually especially as they get older, to attend to their needs, what they might be appropriately and fittingly, keeping healthy boundaries as wisdom would dictate. And if your parents are passed away, like mine are, to speak well of them and to honor them and to honor them with your children. Um, my parents, my, my kids never really got to meet my mom and dad. They were infants when they passed away, but um, they know a lot about them. Um, and I want them to know a lot about them. And they speak honorably about them, and it, and it, it honors them, right? And, and they know something of the heritage that we have as a family because of that. And so uh, to speak well, even if they're deceased of them, in, in ways that commend them, okay? So there's some practical things you can do. So it's, it's a long, wide road and uh, finding ways, but having it as a weighty, serious issue that you will honor your parents um, is important. Now, the second part of this sermon is to look at the, the promise. <clears throat> I want to talk about this promise here for a moment. 
Exodus 20:12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Uh, Deuteronomy 6 says a little bit more when we come to the Ten Commandments in, uh, or Deuteronomy 5, verse 16. It says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And so there's a promise that goes with this command that says, uh, when we do this, our days will be long and it will go well with us in the land. Now, uh, I think, first of all, several things I want to say here. But, but first of all, there is a connection and a direct com- connection between honoring moms and dads and healthy, long life. That's assuming that moms and dads have taught you to walk with God and taught you to walk in his ways. And so when we honor our good moms and dads and we walk in their ways and we walk in intimacy with God, in general, it is true that it will go well with us and our life will be long. That is true. And Proverbs 3 says this, just as general wisdom again. Proverbs 3 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and years of life and peace will be added to you. So general wisdom says that, right? If you have an eight-year-old and you say to him, eight-year-old, don't ride my motorcycle, right? He says, well, today I got kind of a wild hair. I'm going to disobey and ride the motorcycle, right? You can see how maybe his life might not go long when he acts that way, right? Just general wisdom says when you obey mom and dad, it goes well with you and your life will be long. However, now, (laughs) it is not a guarantee Nobody was more honoring than Jesus was to his father. Nobody. Nobody obeyed as perfectly as Jesus did. And yet his life was cut dramatically short. Right? And so um, I think we could say a couple things here. One is, I, I do think this command was in general given to the Israel people as a nation and said to them as a nation that if you obey God's commands as a people... Uh, it will go well with you in the land and you'll dwell in the land a long time, right? And of course, they chose to rebel against God and not keep his commandments and guess what? They got kicked out of the land, okay? So I, I think there's a, a more general, specific sense that's being talked about here um, by God to the people as a, of Israel as a nation, but I think it also points to an eternal sense for us that when we honor God as our Father, we receive Jesus, His Son, as our Savior, give our lives to God and and honor Him, that there awaits for us a beautiful and good and eternal land called heaven, in which it will be good and long-lasting, like super long-lasting, right? And so I think this command ultimately gets fulfilled, or this promise gets fulfilled that way. So we, we want to be careful um, to obey, not obey, honor uh, moms and dads. Now, <clears throat> the question ultimately comes up, and, I, and I, I wish we didn't live in a world where I'd have to answer this question, but eventually we have to ask this question. Um, you know, I, my, you don't know my parents, right? You, you don't know how mean they have been and how cruel they've been and how abusive they've been. If you knew them, this sermon would sound... If you knew them, this sermon would sound different, Pastor Kevin. And there is a place that I think we have to acknowledge that, okay, what do I do now with parents 
that, quite honestly, we're bad parents. Some are. Some of us in this room have had parents that we'd probably have to honestly say, and be fair evaluation, they just weren't good parents. And by the way, if you had good parents, in light of this coming conversation, be thankful. You're a blessed person. It's not automatic. This world is broken and fallen, and some have endured horrible, horrible things at the hands of their parents. So as I enter into this conversation, let me start by saying your general inclination still needs to be to honor them. The orientation of your heart needs to be, with everything within me, I'm going to try to be gracious with their imperfections and long-suffering with their mistreatments. I'm going to do my best, right, before God. But also realize that our amazing, good, redeeming God can take even the worst parents and, in your life, make it for good. You can learn an awful lot through bad parenting, right? (laughs) Oh, my you can say, for me and my house, we're going the other way because I know what it was like to go that way. And we can learn a lot from that. It can be redeemed. I know all kinds of people who are saying, this will be the generation where my family turns and worships and honors God and loves one another and loves God with all their heart. This will be it. And that's a good determination for some. And some of you in that course. But you've learned. You learned How did you learn that with such conviction? Well, see some of the bad things your parents did. So it can be redeemed. And is often if you give your life to Christ. But there is a time, there is a time for serious boundaries with parents that are not good to us. Um, I'm going to read a quote by John Calvin. And, and, and John Calvin is not known always for his kindness, but he'll say things pretty directly. <laughs> And he's writing from the 1500s, if you're not familiar with him. Great theologian. <clears throat> Creates a lot of controversy along the way. But he, um, but he says some things here about parents that I thought were interesting and probably helpful. He says, For parents sit in that place to which they have been advanced by the Lord. They've been given this place by the Lord. Who shares with them a part of his honor. Therefore, the submission paid to them, the parents, ought to be a step toward honoring the highest father. In other words, when you honor your parents, it ought to be toward honoring God the Father eventually. Hence, if they spur us to sin, cause us to sin, spur us to transgress the law, we have a perfect right to regard them not as parents, but as strangers. That's a strong sentence there. If your parents take you in a direction away from God and lead you or cause you or move you toward rebellion against God, you have every right to treat them as if they are not your parents, according to this verse, and call them strangers. Now, I would never say it that strong, but I think you get the point, okay? There is a place of boundary where we would say... You know, my relationship with you is doing nothing but causing me, and frankly you, by me letting you behave this way, harm. Okay, that does happen. And it is not honoring to your parents to let them mistreat you or your children. 
Or speak to your family in demeaning, cruel, harsh ways. That's not honoring to them to give them room to do that. There is a time when you say, I can't do this. I I can't keep bailing you out for your sin. It's between you and God. I I can't visit you on the holidays because you talk harshly and cruelly to my children. I won't do it. It's not honoring to you for me to even do that. You see? I'm throwing this down because sometimes we find ourselves in this place where we just have to say there needs to be a healthy boundary here. Hezekiah was such a man who, uh, as king of Judah in 2 Kings 18, totally turned his back on his dad, Ahaz, who was a rebel and an ungodly man, and entirely went in a different direction. He said, I am abandoning the way of my fathers, and I'm going my own way 180 degrees the other way. And sometimes that's exactly what we have to do. Okay? Jesus said it this way. These are harsh words. But in Matthew chapter 10, verse 35, Jesus said this, For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. See, Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. And in my family, of, or in your family, some of them will be for me and some of them will be against me. And sometimes you're going to have to throw down some pretty firm boundaries if your family mistreats and pushes you away from God. Sometimes they will be your enemy. Peter said it well in Acts 5. When it comes down to disobeying God and disobeying the authorities that God has put around me, I'm going to disobey the authorities. There's a time for that. We better be cautious, cautious, cautious with that. But there is a time where we have to say, God, you are who I serve. And if this person, even if they are in my family, causes me to turn me away from you or my children away from you, there will be a firm boundary in place between me and them. Now look it. Please hear me now. If you heard all that and you missed this, you've missed it. Our demeanor in doing this must be kind and gentle. It must be with grace and it must be never with a despising attitude. It's never an excuse to be bitter or to be angry because after all, those parents, good or bad, were given you by God and they're a gift of God and you're to treat them with respect even when you draw firm lines. Okay, that's really important. Furthermore, I would say you want to try to work it out if you can. And some of you tried, and it failed, and it does happen, but you should try. And, and if you fail, then here's what I think is a good thing to do. You've tried to do everything you can to make it right between you and your parents. Still not good. I kind of use this in counseling a lot. I picture a box. So you take all the pieces of this mess and put them in a box, Right? Put a lid on it, mark it parents, and put a grace bow on it, right? And put it up on the shelf and say, okay, God, for now, this is in your hands. I'm entrusting this to you. God, you can deal with these people. 
<laughs> right? And he can. He's very capable. That's what it means sometimes to forgive. It's just in, don't be bitter. Don't pay back. Just give it to God. Just trust him. And then there'll be a day God will knock on your shoulder. Okay, bring the box back down. Let's open it up and take another look. All right? But give it to him and entrust it to God. That's what Jesus did with those that mistreated him in 1 Peter 2. He entrusted to the Father the mistreatment of people toward himself. But all this points us to something much, much better, I think, actually, in some ways. And that is that what God has given us sometimes instead of our earthly family is a church family. And Paul oftentimes referred himself to as a father. First Corinthians 4, he said, Timothy, I am your father and you are my son. And I love you like a father and you love me like a son loves his father. And we have this relationship together. And I give you wisdom and guidance and protection and, and you come to me and we work together and, and we have this beautiful father-son type relationship. And frankly, brothers and sisters, we need more of that in the church. Your true heavenly family forever and ever is your church family. Some of your biological family, if they haven't trusted Jesus as Savior, won't make it with you. But all of your church family that knows Jesus and loves him, that's your family that's going into heaven together. Proverbs says it's better to have a friend close by than a brother far away. And I remember Mary and I, 21 years old, we left home in Seattle, 2,000 miles east, Illinois. Didn't know a thing. But we were smart enough to walk into church that first Sunday we were there. We walked into that church we were greeted at that door by a 70-year-old couple. Invited us over for dinner. Loved on us. George and Elizabeth. I still remember their names. Can you imagine that? That's, I'm not going to tell you how many years ago that was. And <laughs> then you'll know my age today. And, uh, and they loved on us, right? Found some other people that went to the University of Washington, which I just graduated from. That made me happy. Found I had a home right there, right? My church family was my family and have been everywhere I've gone wife and I have gone. They've been the people that have loved us. They've been the people I've been a father to in addition to my children. They've been the people who have loved me as a brother and a sister who've carried me through hard times. That's what the church should be. That's the picture. And that's what we're to do with each other. And we need to do more of, of that. Well, let me close. Um, last point here this morning that Jesus is the way to honor the Father. Um, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Early on in the Old Testament, Exodus 4, God begins to depict himself as a father to Israel, his son. This is a theme of the scriptures. And, and God the Father now sends his son, Jesus. And Jesus is the perfect son. Band, you can come on up. Jesus, Jesus is the perfect son. And he lives in complete honoring of the Father. He obeys him in every sense. Honors the Father completely submits to him, lives his life out, the perfect, perfect son. And yet, at the end of his life, God the Father chooses to treat his perfect son as a rebellious son. Chooses to treat him as a son like us who were rebels, worthy of death, that bad of a son. You are worthy of death. He treats him that way. And he dies on a cross taking the treatment that we deserved 
that we wouldn't have to bear it. You know, my, my children have, thankfully, largely honored me through 25, 30 years of life. There have been times when I wanted to kill them. Don't get me wrong. But I never would. You know that. I wouldn't do it. Not a chance. And there's not a chance I'd have them killed for you. But God the Father had his perfect son die in our place that we can be forgiven. And that's his love for us. That's the love of the Father. Right? What struck me this week was how Jesus not only took our guilt, but he took our shame. That all the stupid things we've done behind the scenes that sometimes our dads know about or our moms know about, right? And they have a choice of what they're going to do with that stuff we're doing, don't they? And some parents drag it out into light and shame us and embarrass us and make us look dumb in front of all kinds of people. Yeah, that happens, some of you probably. It's not what our father did. He hid it in his son. Jesus took our shame and he hides our shame and takes it away. Like a good father, he protects us and gives us a name of kings and priests to our God and adopts us into a holy, eternal family with perfect love and care forever and ever. All through the person of Jesus. And the way we honor the Father who did this for us is by receiving his good gift of his son for us. Can you imagine giving your son and then have them kick him in the teeth and send him back? That's what they did with Jesus. And God says, you want to honor me as Father? You receive my son. He died for you. Accept his forgiveness and give your life to him as Lord and you will live forever and ever in a kingdom of eternal joy and pleasure. Let's honor the Father by receiving his good gift and living our lives for his son Jesus every day that we have breath. Let's pray. Father, you're amazing. We will never know the depths of the love you showed us. That your son would die to take the death of a rebel. That we could be adopted as kings and priests to our God. We give our lives to you. We receive your good gift. We submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, our Lord, to his honor and his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.